Um, I don't think so. Your mouth is moving in time with your thing. Hold on, my grandma's calling. Oh, grandma. Hello? Hi. I'm good, how are you? No, I'm not in bed. I'm staring at Blair right now. Hi, grandma. <laughs> no. <laughs> grandma says hi. <laughs> no, you're fine. What's going on? We had a good week. Tyler's making bread right now. Mm-hmm. How is Blair doing? Blair's doing great. She's doing great. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma says good. Good. Well, we sure do love it. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go. Just want to check in on you guys and make sure you're okay. We're doing okay. God is good. We love it. I love you too. Bye. <laughs> She's so cute. I love her so much. I haven't heard her voice in so long. I know. And it's just the best. It's so good. <laughs> She's a mess. My God. Aye, aye, aye. Okay. I guess we should get started. All right. No more phone calls. <laughs> that was a good one, though. I'm glad we, we paused for that. You honestly can't not take a call from Grandma. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten and we are Mediocre, Mediocre Content. And I'm super excited to be here. It's a rainy, cozy day here. Well, I don't know. It's a rainy, cozy day here. <laughs> I have... Right. So like, like here it's yeah. annoyingly sunny. <laughs> but I got like my blanket. We went to the little coffee place that we like. And I'm all snuggled up with the window open, even though I probably shouldn't because my allergies are whack. <sighs> and it's That's great. so nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It is. That's lovely. I'm so, I'm so glad for you. <laughs> Sorry about your yeah. beautiful sunny day. <laughs> well, it's not. It's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know. Sometimes I just crave like the weather, you know, mm-hmm. I crave mm-hmm like bad weather so that I have an excuse to like stay inside and yes. like do nothing. Yeah. You know? Honestly, that's on, days like this are also my favorite to work in weirdly enough. Cause you think it's like super demotivating, but it's mm. actually super cozy mm-hmm. to have like your little lights on. And again, you're like in super cozy wear if you remote. Yeah. So, you know, it has its perks. Okay. Good point. Must be nice. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Fair. Alternatively, Fair. when the sun is out and Look I'm at us, working, just talking about the weather. <laughs> like two old biddies just you know, I know. It's okay. We were just talking about how age is a mindset, so you're so right. You're yeah. so right. And my age I is feel 95. Like, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I guess if you want, uh, we could 
disclaim I don't so the I know I'm in charge of the good news this week but it's not very big because we get to listen to cool things so if you want I could uh dive into that after you disclaim us that would be great I mean that's typically what we do do so. we have to I'm just kidding we could switch it up when we could just do the good news at the end <laughs> yeah the closing um the credits are rolling and we're like oh by the way <laughs> yeah just news. like pull a fast one on everyone <laughs> surprise like gotcha <laughs> but now we've um, told them so we can't do that now right now yeah. you're so right okay all right so before we get started obviously we're not experts on anything um i kind of wish we had an expert for this topic because i feel <laughs> like that would be really fun yeah um but if you've come here to get any kind of advice about like anything don't don't do that and <laughs> we encourage you to do your own research and learn along with us and with that kirsten take it away all right so of course it has to do with space because why not nasa is now turning light frequencies into sound which is super cool um and before i forget i'm also going to make sure that my sharing options are set to share the sound because you're going to want to hear this. It's wonderful. So basically, uh, in collaboration with musicians who have photographed the Milky Way and the Chandra X-ray Observatory that made the photos, um, they are matching wavelengths of the light that they've photographed into sound in order to show our home galaxy in a different musical light. While astron astronomers, I always okay. have a struggle with that word, honestly, astronomers, um, working with Chandra weren't chilling out to lo-fi beats of the Milky Way featuring supermassive black hole, which is terrifying, don't think about it too long, when they took the photo of the galactic center. It did dawn on them that they were producing a pretty false image since they were imaging x-rays that can't be seen by the human eye. It's been standard practice to color code various wavelengths of light, even if those don't correspond to light our eyes could actually perceive in order to disseminate X-ray space photographs to the public, because obviously they're trying to mm. get it out there, yeah. you know? Sure. This time, however, Kimberly Arcand, an expert in astronomy visualization at the Center of Astrophysics, Harvard and Smithsonian, collaborated with several musicians to create a musical guide to interpreting the contents of the photograph. The Galactic Center is just the most recent and expressive musical track, but many other features and regions of space have been sonified with the help of astrophysicist and musician Matt Russo and sound engineer Andrew Santiguada, who together run a project called System Sounds that, of course, sonifies the astronomical data they collect. These include famous sites like the Crab Nebula, the Carina Nebula, Mizir 104, and the WD2 Star Cluster. In each one of these beautiful images, optical, infrared, and X-ray light has its own track, some re represented by strings, others by bells, chimes, synths, you name it, they've got it. In the galactic centerpiece, a piano is used for infrared, and with eyes closed, a layman might consider it a more avant-garde contemporary piece, 
or Claude Debussy fiddling with a new idea. I don't really know who that is. Probably someone famous. Um, <clears throat> it is important to remember that if you turned on your monitors and stuck a microphone in the middle of the Galactic Center, though, there wouldn't be any music because space doesn't carry sound like that. <laughs> Can I just pause you for one moment because oh, yeah. you switched your settings and you I think you shared your screen and so now my entire desktop is <laughs> your screensaver yes and it is so adorable I just been over here like looking at it for this whole time oh no <laughs> And it's... there's like all I'm looking at all your games and then I see the little corgi and the it didn't give me the option to just share sound. I guess it just showed you my entire desktop. It's so nice. I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you. You I'm can get it on Steam Engine. I know. I know. But I'm I'm gonna take a picture of it. That's so funny. <laughs> They're very cute. It's the corgi. It, for those that are listening, if you have Steam Engine wallpapers, it's one of the corgi ones where they're like swimming in the ocean, and it's really fantastic. So, and it plays on a loop, which is super fun, like the Bulbasaur one I used to have. Uh, yes. Yes. I have, I have a Christmas background right now. Oh, love that. With like the lo-fi and like the, yes. the snow and everything. Yeah. Oh, I bet that's so nice and cozy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's okay. You know? So anyway, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm having a great time. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm over here saying the good news. You're like chilling with dogs, and I love that for you. <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so with all of that, I guess the next best thing would be to play what they have created with the wavelengths of light in the galactic center so that you can hear what they came up with. I think it sounds super pretty. It's only a minute long, so I figured I would just play the whole thing if you guys were interested. And like I said in the article, they also list a bunch of others that they've done, like the Crab Nebula. Highly recommend going on, because um, the Chandra X-ray Observatory does have its own YouTube channel. So if you go and look, you can find like the other ones that they've done yeah. and sonified. So. This one, though, is the Galactic Center multi-wavelength sonification, and I'm just going to go ahead and play it. And that is the sonification of the Galactic Center. So if you, if you heard me meows in the background, that is not part of it. That is right. <laughs> there were not cats in space Correct. <laughs> for this one. <laughs> 
So I've put the actual YouTube link in the description below as well as the article, of course, if you want to read up on it. But like I said, if you want to see or hear more of the sonifications that they've done, highly recommend their YouTube. It's very fun and very pretty. So, yeah. Speaking of cats in space, yeah. um, they're in the new the new Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, the Marvels. Mm. Um there are a lot of cats in space. <laughs> Plot so twist. It's, I it's lied. It's <laughs> literally worth going to see. Yeah. There, so like cats in the Marvel universe um, are a different species where they just like mm. hold it, important information, but they reach out. They have like giant tentacles that come out of their mouth and they Ugh. like, it, it's a little <laughs> gross. It's a little gross. I'm but sorry. Grab like important information and hold it within themselves and release it at the appropriate times. Interesting. Actually, this kind of makes sense because cats do that already just without the tentacles since yeah. they smell with the inside of their mouths really right. aggressively. But this makes yeah. sense. And my cat is looking at me like, that's not true, but I know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> So if you're interested in Cats in Space, highly recommend going to go see that movie because it was very good. That sounds very good. Sweet. So that was a beautiful little... It is. ...sound of a black hole. I mean, (laughs) I guess that's what it is, right? I I guess. It's very cute. It's very fun. It is. It um, was more, I was like expecting a melody at some point, but it's definitely no. way more random, which totally makes sense. Yeah. And again, like they're used, essentially they're a sign. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Salem wants to have, you say what you want to say, man. You want to talk? Oh. What? what... Yeah. yeah. What do you want to say? What's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> no. He just, he just, it was a one-off comment. Oh, he, okay. He not... All right. Two He's now exiting seat. the building. Elvis has left the building. <laughs> All right. But basically, you know, it's just wavelengths that they've assigned sounds to. So yeah. it could be absolutely random. I've also heard, um, this is going to be a little bit of a throwback, but I remember our old computer, we had, like, old. Like, I was in middle school, high school time frame. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they had the planets that you could play and go through on the computer. And I don't remember whether it was, like, something that we had or something that was on the computer but either way it would like show the planet and it would have a sound associated with it whether Mm. that was a sound or not but i remember the sun being Mm. so ominous interesting (laughs) and it freaked me out and it was one of those things where i would play it freak myself out but i would always replay it just to have the feeling of just right and horror sure yeah (laughs) And that seems healthy. Oh, so healthy. You know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine. But the song is scary. Right. Anyway. Got it. Okay. What else is scary? Sasquatch. Horrifying. It's more of like a fun thing as opposed to like <laughs> scary. The scary part is how does he even find shoes? There you are know? no shoes. It's always barefoot. Yeah, first of all, dangerous. There's a lot of stuff in the woods. You got to be careful. He lives in the woods, though. Yeah, but still, got to protect the feeties. I don't know if he's developed that technology yet. I don't know either. Maybe he has really big calluses. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. He made his own shoot. Oh, all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's literally right here. He like I watched him walk out of the room and he's like right next to me now. Welcome back. Come up here. Come on. <laughs> now that you've recognized him, he's no longer interested. <laughs> That's how the cat system works. Oh, okay. Hefty, hefty, hefty. <laughs> Satisfied with right, this bum in your face. Scratch my neck, okay? <laughs> Disappointing, really. Dude, come you on. can do the pod like that. For those who can't see, <laughs> for obvious reasons, because this is a podcast, he is like got his bum on her shoulder and the rest of him on the back of her chair. Oh, there we go. Okay, there it is. Satisfied. Right. There we go. <laughs> All right, and now he's fully on the back of my chair. Yes. laid out horizontally he has to observe to make sure you're doing it right you're right that's correct he also wants to observe the outdoors through the mm. window yes all right so now let's get into it um <clears throat> so bigfoot yeti the loch ness monster all of the above um are called are something that's called a cryptid c-r-y-p-t-i-d Mm. Um, any animal, which is basically any animal that is claimed to exist, but whose existence has not yet been proven. Okay. Um, basically any fable that you've ever heard about like a large animal mm. that is a cryptid, big bad wolf, maybe even, okay. that's okay. kind of a stretch, but maybe, maybe, um, I mean, the big bad wolf hasn't ever been claimed to exist. So that's a bad example, but definitely the Loch Ness monster, <laughs> Yeti, um sasquatch yeah uh dracula yeah you guys get the idea mm, it's not really an animal maybe. i guess no not really an animal mm. okay maybe it's but just a legend anyway um so one of the articles i read made a very interesting point that i would just like to put in everybody's mind mm. um if we were to def- def- find a definitive proof of a beast like a yeti or uh the loch ness monster it would be exciting and should the animal prove to be a dinosaur a major revelation mm. but it would also be just another another animal in the vast kingdom fair enough yeah. yeah so just something interesting to put out there it would just be like ancient the first half of this episode is going to be on Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And then the second half is going to be on Yeti, which so is fun. totally different. Yes, totally different on a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Although some people might think it is the same. It is not the same. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So <clears throat> where, what are the Bigfoot and Sasquatch origins where did this myth or story come from i will tell you in the 19 in 1958 journalist andrew ginzoli of the humboldt times which is a newspaper in northern california highlighted a fun if dubious letter from a reader about loggers in northern california who discovered mysteriously large footprints um, maybe we have quote, maybe we have a relative of the abominable snowman of the Himalayas because that was already known about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote about that 
in his September 21st column alongside the letter. Later, Gonzoli said he simply thought the mysterious footprints made a good Sunday morning story, but to his surprise, it fascinated readers. And in response, Gonzoli and fellow Humboldt Times journalist Betty Allen published follow-up articles about the footprints reporting the name of the loggers had given or reporting the name the loggers had given to so-called a so-called creature um who left tracks aka bigfoot okay oh how original i know they did such a good job (laughs) and so the legend was born right right um another account um but relates to the count the account that was reported by this journalist mm-hmm. um bud jenkins and his wife were living on far reaches of a small town of fort bragg california not to be confused with fort bragg north carolina right um just on the edge of the vast coastal <clears throat> redwood forest when it happened on February 7th, 1962, Jenkins' wife's brother, Robert Hatfield, in a Crescent City logger, uh, which is a town in, in mm-hmm, Northern mm-hmm. California, almost on the Oregon border. Mm. That's hot. Um, had stepped outside the house around 530 in the evening when he heard the Jenkins dog barking. That's never a good sign. No. Looking to see what was causing the commotion. Hatfield turned and saw a creature standing chest and shoulders above a six foot high fence at the back of the property. It was much, much bigger than a bear. He later recalled it was covered in fur with flat hairless face and perfectly round eyes. Hatfield hurried inside to tell his hosts and the three of them set out searching for the strange creature. Coming around the side of the house, Hatfield ran straight into the thing, which <gasps> knocked him on the ground and then chased him, chased the three of them back to the house. As they tried to shut the door, the creature threw its weight against the door, blocking them from closing it. Finally, Bud Jenkins went to get his gun. I'm going to shoot the damn thing, he yelled. <laughs> and at which point the monster relented and fled. Afterwards, they found a 16-inch footprint and 11-inch dirty handprint on the side of the house. The Fort Bragg Bigfoot incident of 1962 was one of one of a cluster of Bigfoot sightings, all of which seemed to be pointing to the same thing, that they were on a verge of a major new discovery of something hidden in the Northern California wilderness. Conveniently, where all the redwoods are. So just saying like a large man, the redwoods are large trees. Yeah. yeah. So it would come to reason that a large man would live amongst the large trees. Sure. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And also the fact that there were a lot of people moving to that particular area. So they thought maybe they had disturbed this like Mm -hmm. ancient creature of some kind. And they are like logging the forests actively. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So um, Fort Bragg never had any other sightings of Bigfoot. Shocker. Mm. Nor was the Jenkins home excursion incursion ever officially debunked as a hoax or confirmed as a true sighting. If Bigfoot had been on the verge of emerging from the redwoods, it soon retreated back to the impenetrable forest. But it was now enough to put Fort Bragg on the map, one of the rare and peculiar locals locales that was now associated with the strange and unidentifiable creature. 
It's very interesting. I know. I'll save my thoughts for later. Okay. All right. <laughs> so another thing, uh, Willow Creek, California is known for its 300 Sasquatch sightings. Hmm. Um, it's also in that like Northern region. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can visit their museum uh, that has a 25 foot tall Bigfoot statue outside. Gotta have a tourist trap. <laughs> um, and they claim to be the Bigfoot capital of the world. Okay, continuing to save right. my thoughts for later. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are various wild man mm. myths from all over the world, says Joshua Blue, um, Blue Buzz. That's a weird last name. Sorry, Joshua. <laughs> um, authors of Bigfoot, The Life and Times of a Legend. In Western Canada, the Sisales First Nation have the Sasquets, uh, the opposed the supposed origin of the word Sasquatch. Oh. However, the modern U.S. concept of Bigfoot can be traced quite directly to the Humboldt times in 1958. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though loggers blamed acts of vandalism on Bigfoot, Allen thought that most of them didn't really believe in the creature. It seemed to her that they were just passing along stories with a legendary flavor. <laughs> which is such a fun little phrase. flavor. <laughs> um, still, the story spread to newspapers all over the country and the TV show Truth or Consequences offered $1,000 to anyone who could prove the existence of Bigfoot. Hmm. $1,000? Well, it's 1958. Ah, uh, okay. Um, who is making the huge 16-inch tracks in the vicinity of Bluff Creek? Gonzoli wrote in one of his columns that October. Are the tracks a human hoax or are they actual marks of a huge but harmless wild man traveling through the wilderness? Can this be some legendary sized animal? I'm sorry, harmless? If it's true. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Three people. Hold Hold it in. (laughs) I'm trying so hard. (laughs) Once Bigfoot's story went public, it became a character in men's adventure magazines and cheap. cheap trade paperback novels in these stories he um was a primal dangerous creature out of the past who lurked in the modern wilderness by the 1970s pseudo documentaries were investigating this his existence and films were portraying him as a sexual predator (laughs) in the 80s bigfoot showed his softer side he became associated with environmentalism and a symbol of the wilderness that we need to preserve one big example is the 1987 Mm. movie harry and the hendersons uh which portrayed bigfoot as friendly a friendly misunderstood creature in need of protection from john lithgow and his family Mm -hmm. uh so why has bigfoot has the Bigfoot legend persisted for 60 years? Great question. It, it, it takes on its own momentum because it, he's a media icon, says Joshua Buh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just as no one really needs to explain that characters who turn into wolves during a full moon are werewolves, no one needs to explain who a hairy man ape walking out of the <laughs> woods would be. It's just something that's easy to refer to, and that would be Bigfoot. It's aggressive. You know, it's aggressive. And if I may, Mm. 
I, you know, those like, I'm going to put, uh, nobody could see my fingers, but if I'm going to put this in quotations, you know, the photos and the proof that sure. comes out, it's like always grainy. Yeah. Never, even with today's technology, do you know how amazing cell phones, just average cell phone cameras are these days, right? Right. Always grainy, never clear. You're never like just out and about on a Sunday afternoon, just <laughs> trotting along and see old, you know, Bigfoot out with a stroll. Like, right. To me, if it was so prevalent and so real, mm-hmm. I feel like there would be, you know, somebody would have shook his hand at some point. You know what I'm saying? Like this thing just would not be out, you know, scaring creepies in the corner. So, um, I think we can classify you as a non-believer then. I'm just a skeptic. Okay. Like, you know, it's okay if it's real. I just, anytime somebody's like oh yeah it's bigfoot i'm like okay but where is his like where's the study you know like well yeah (laughs) i mean it's one of those things right it's just like i can't explain it but it's real right it's the same concept as like mercury's in retrograde and i feel terrible sure right um i I mean, I like to, I think, I like to think that people like to have their fun. Oh yeah. And like at a certain point, I think in the fifties though, because this is my theory, cause I'm thinking about in the six, in the fifties, sixties and seventies, there was a lot of weird like disappearances. There was a lot of weird like serial killer problems. Cause that was the era of like yeah. Uh, John Wayne Gacy, yeah. Ted Bundy, like all of these people. Yeah. And people were like really freaked out. Oh, yeah. So, and there was a lot of drugs happening as well. Fair. <laughs> not to be, it's I mean, true. I'm sure not everyone was doing drugs, but a lot of drugs were happening. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it would be like a far reach to say, or for the town, it might even even be beneficial for the town to have mm-hmm. like something they could blame all of these mm-hmm. terrible things that are happening on. Yeah. You know? And also thinking, cause you said they were logging actively and obviously in my opinion, especially back then, you mm-hmm. had a lot of environmental protesters, a lot of people going, you know, don't do this, don't Ooh, destroy the yeah. nature. And so yeah. in my opinion, potentially a scare tactic uh-huh. to get them out of the woods and stop, the, especially in California. I totally. feel like that would 100% be viable explanation for that particular instance, maybe scare them. And then as soon as that guy was like, I'm going to shoot him, they're like, I didn't come here for this. And it's <laughs> just like, like puts it out. It's like a cartoon Scooby do episode. Yes. No, exactly. Yeah. That's how I see it. No, you're so right. <laughs> I love that idea. So to me, it's just it's just a, it's a peaceful protest of get out of my swamp and I'm here for it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I know that's fair. I like who that. would not be terrified of that? I would be terrified of that, you know? Yeah. Even if it was you know, it might have been a costume. Who knows? Who knows? Right? Yeah. Interesting um, though. And then 
I think <clears> as <throat> time has progressed, obviously yeah. it's become more of like a media thing and oh, like yeah. a way for people to drum up tourism as opposed to, cause I think all the redwoods are like protected now. So it's like yes. not a big deal, yes. but it's still like, uh, something you can make money from. So. It is. And I think too, like, even though I don't think Bigfoot's necessarily traipsing around the Appalachian Trail. There are some really spooky things that do happen in the Appalachian Trail that I 100% believe to be true. So, uh, yeah, you know, I I don't think you can discount a lot of those, but Bigfoot, probably not. Have you seen the TikToks of women warning people about like Appalachia and like why people stay out of the woods at night and it's like very creepy yeah and the whole if you hear your name you don't if you hear right. rock, you don't right and I think that's valid for a couple of reasons oh. and, and that aren't necessarily like I mean it's still scary mm-hmm. but you've also heard of like disappearances in the Appalachia woods who's to say there aren't you know real serial killers out there just doing their thing and suddenly you've got these people who don't know what they're doing have never been there before don't know yeah. the rules of no you right. don't yeah. and easy targets in my opinion well and then it have happens. you heard of the feral people that live yes like, in the middle of nowhere montana or yes. something like that there are just certain places you leave alone yeah <laughs> and respectfully i agree <laughs> yeah (laughs) just leave it alone there i mean people are always like oh i don't want to go to where all the tourists are i'm like that is the safest place for you to be absolutely there's a reason that you shouldn't go beyond that and there's also a reason there's tons to do there (laughs) to keep you out of the danger zone (laughs) right and the u.s is vast to me it's like not that we haven't discovered a lot of the ocean, but there's a lot we don't know. And oh, I would, a thousand percent. I would argue the same is true for things like Appalachia. So, you know. Completely false. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. So, and, like, I, obviously, uh, just to be totally transparent a lot of this is like speculation oh of course we are we're not conspiracy we are not a conspiracy theory podcast no but we do have um, our theories yes <laughs> which is fun on a personal talk level. about yeah, yeah no yeah, exactly yeah, yeah yeah okay so that's all i have for the first half i think it was sufficient and yeah. uh we'll send you guys to the commercial mm-hmm. um and then we'll come back with yeti the abominable snowman it's about to get chilly in here yeah (laughs) we spend a lot of time joking about our mediocrity and how we can't believe people actually listen to our pods and join our lives despite that the truth is we are so thankful to have our little community and we want to send our special thanks to all you mcp fam members for continuing to stick with us every episode It does not go unnoticed. It might be cheesy and a little cliche, but we truly want to thank you for listening to our pods and engaging with our content as we slowly grow our platforms. So from us over here at Mediocre Content Podcast, thank thank you. you. Now enough of this mushy stuff. Let's get back to the pod. Welcome back. We hope you had a nice little break. We definitely did. Um... (laughs) And we're going to talk about the Yeti or the abominable snowman, not to be confused with Bigfoot or Sasquatch, as we confirmed in the first mm-hmm. half. Very different. Okay. 
So <clears throat> I looked up the word abominable just because <laughs> I wanted to know. And it is, the definition is causing moral revulsion, very oh. bad or unpleasant. And basically this is my new favorite insult now. Oh my gosh. He's a very bad snowman. <laughs> very bad snowman. <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> Be bad. We, yeah, we like insulted him before we've even really gotten to know him, you know? I know. I know. Well, and as we'll see, <clears throat> the abominable snowman was originally a translation error. Mm. Uh, Henry Newman, an Anglo journalist working in Calcutta in the 1920s, first he heard reports of a wild man on the slopes of the Himalayas from members of the 1921 British expedition to the summit of Everest, led by Lieutenant Colonel C.K. Howard Burry. That's a long name. Um, yes, it is. Hmm. Sherpas are the people who lead you up ex Everest because okay, they know yeah. they're like native people to the area. Oh. Um, <clears throat> on the expedition discovered footprints that they believed belonged to a wild <laughs> man of the snows. And word quickly spread through the Tibetans. Uh, Newman Hearing these reports, garbled the Tibetan term meto kengmi, which means man like wild creature, misrecognizing meto as mech and mistranslating wild as filthy or dirty. Oh, how rude. Settling finally on the abominable snowman for his English speaking readers. <laughs> um oh no yeah cryptozoologist ivan sanderson which sounds like a cool job doesn't yeah it? absolutely um would later discover describe the impact of the name as being like an explosion of an atom bomb <laughs> capturing the imagination of school kids and armchair explorers all over europe and america uh, it's all it takes is one word man Just i know one word to mess up the whole operation um However, Yeti is, I think, a more accurate description mm. because Yeti is derived from the Tibetan term uh, Yeti, and they have like the way that it's spelled in the language. And I can, there's no way I can. No, absolutely that out. not. No. Um, which translates <laughs> to rocky bear or bear like in English. Oh, you know, it was a giant yeah. polar bear. <laughs> right. So we're, get, we're getting to that. We're getting to that. I will reserve my thoughts. <laughs> Please reserve your thoughts. Thank you. Um, okay, so how the Yeti legend began. Myths of the Yeti stem from the cultural fabric of the Himalayas, blending beliefs, traditions, and encounters with the national natural world. Local beliefs in guardian spirits and deities inhabiting the mountains intertwined with oral storytelling traditions, allowing the myth to evolve over generations. The region's diverse religions, including Buddhism and Hinduism, added layers of spiritual significance. Harsh landscapes and wildlife interactions inspired some stories to explain nature's mysteries. Cultural exchange along historical trade routes introduced new ideas. Together, all of these factors contributed to the Tibetan legend we know as the Yeti, which represented the unknown and the challenges of mountain life. Hmm. Additionally, Western explorers and adventurers who began visiting the Himalayan mountains in the 19th and early 20th centuries um, further popula popularized the idea of the abominable snowman through their writings and accounts of the region. 
these accounts reached a global audience and contributed to the international fascination with the Yeti. So here are some theories uh, of what the Yeti is. Okay. Possibly a bear. Some researchers (laughs) and experts in cryptozoology, the study of hidden or unknown creatures like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, propose that sightings and stories of the Yeti could be attributed to bear encounters. This makes sense to me. I would say. polar. It could be specifically, more specifically, a polar bear. Mm -hmm. While polar bears are not native to the Himalayan region, there have been some suggestions that rare occurrences of polar bears drifting far south on ice blows might explain some reports of Yeti sightings. Which mm. totally makes sense. It gets cold enough in those yes. mountains that they could sustain a habitat there. For sure. However, due to the significant geographic distance between polar bears' natural habitat in the Himalayas, um, as well as the logistical challenges of such a long-distance migration, this seems unlikely. Maybe just like a different species of polar bear. Right. Yeah. Right. So then we explore the possibility <clears throat> of brown bears. Okay. So the Himalayan brown bear closely related to the tibetan blue bear oh is known for its shaggy reddish brown fur and its adaptation to high altitude environments Important. it's conceivable that observations of these brown bears combined with the challenging conditions of the mountainous terrain slash snow could have contributed to the creation of the yeti legend sure um also there could be some like this is people are traveling to high altitudes Mm -hmm. and as we know mount everest is like the highest one of the highest peaks if not the highest peak in the world Mm -hmm. and there could have been some like o2 sickness and with o2 sickness comes hallucinations yeah so it could have been like a giant brown bear but with like the o2 Mm -hmm. in lack of o2 to your brain it could be a giant yeti situation agreed that makes sense yeah for example, distant sightings of a bear standing on its back legs, which bears occasionally do, especially yep. when they're threatened, yep. could have been interpreted as a human-like figure by those unfamiliar with the species. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, the brown bear covered in all the snow. Oh, yeah. You get like the whiteness and, mm-hmm. you know, it all it's all coming together. It's all it coming is. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over time, stories of encounters with the Himalayan bear might have distorted or merged with local folklore to create the larger-than-life image of the Yeti. While the existence of the Yeti remains unproven, it is an intriguing example of how nature, culture, myth can intersect to shape the legend. Mm. Um. So reports of Yeti sightings on Mount Everest and in the border Himalayan region have been part of the Yeti's legend allure. However, it's important to note that these accounts often are often anecdotal and lacked concrete evidence, as we also saw with the Bigfoot legend. Right, 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 right. Many of the reported sightings have come from climbers, trekkers, and locals. Some accounts describe huge footprints in the snow and appear Um, different from typical animal prints while others claim to have seen large hairy figures in the distance while some explorers have collected hair samples footprints and other yeti quote-unquote relics Mm. these items have often yielded inconclusive results upon scientific analysis 
As a result, the Yeti remains a cryptid, an animal with limited or disputed evidence of existence, as we talked about in the first part of this pod. Um, And the scientific community does not recognize the Yeti as a real animal. This makes sense to me. Yes. I thought you would like this a little better. It's more logical. Yeah. Frame. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the other one is logical if it's like a human blunder or like a human Mm -hmm. uh, trick, you know, this makes more sense if it's either, you know, a different species of bear, because you have to assume it's similar to if it's so high and so difficult to get to under mm-hmm. normal circumstances, mm-hmm. how explored really is this region? Not very. Right. right. And depending on the weather situation and your expertise in climbing and navigating that, there's probably a singular, like, true path that you would go on, and you probably don't want to go outside of that because it's already treacherous enough as it is. So you're not just, like, trepsing around Everest in the Himalayas, Right, right. It just doesn't make sense. There's a specific path that I think most people take. Right. So anything outside of that who knows right right? exactly it's also i I try to be logical in this way too it reminds me of when we were talking about how there are these extreme environments on certain planets that not even extremophiles can survive and thrive in i imagine this is similar just on the cold scale like there is very little life at a certain point and i know that there are some pretty amazing animals and some pretty amazing bacteria but I, I mean, yeah, we freeze bacteria to prevent it from continuing to grow. So like, right. you know what I mean? So like right. anything that high is going to have a really difficult time surviving. Or just be like a really adapted <clears throat> yes. animal to that environment. Exactly. If it exists at all. Right. And I'd also love to know, like, I know that they say that they've collected evidence and like, um, had these so-called sightings i would love to see like a map of at like what altitudes you're seeing it because similar to what you said uh-huh what kind of what are we experiencing are we just kind of hitting that o2 level where things start to go crazy have we been there for a while are we at the summit i feel like those factors right. are very important you're so right i agree so- and i mean it could be at like base camp level where there's like a lot of wooded forest and you know that could be very plausible as well Mm -hmm. and then we go back to like the bigfoot situation where there's like a big animal that lives in the woods and you know it's it's similar it could also be people trying to keep the legend alive because no offense if i knew that people in that area were looking out for the yeti and i lived in that area what's a what's it gonna it's a little fun you know right well and again tourism yes you know i want a t-shirt from the himalayas that says i survived the yeti or you know whatever it is yep yeah every now and then they send out bill in a suit and like he trepses around in a yeti costume and then they're like, ah, oh, I saw the Yeti. You know right. what I mean? Gotta keep the legend alive. All right. No, yeah. exactly. And this is also topical because it is December. It and is. It is snowing in a lot of the world yeah. now. Or more so than normal, I guess. Indeed. So be on the um, lookout. <laughs> yes. Be on the lookout for your Yetis and your Bigfoots. Yeah. Um, 
you know, if your dog is barking at what seems like nothing, go the opposite way. Look, honestly, that's really good advice. And that's regardless of whether you believe in stuff like this. Yeah, right. Any t- animals, in my opinion, always know better. They do. <laughs> it's so true. And like, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because <laughs> I think most people feel that way. Yes. Um, but I read an article recently where they were like, that's oh. not scientifically true. <laughs> oh my God. I disagree so hard. Um. I know. So do I. So do I. Yeah. But yeah. I just thought that's that's funny. Scientifically. Okay. Well, scientifically, if my dog is barking at nothing, I'm out of there. Okay. Right. Because he knows something I don't. All, good, all horror movies start. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If the birds are flying away, get the heck out. If it's silent right. and nothing is moving, get the heck out. Like, it's just not a good place for you to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. We will not be the first ones dying no. in the horror film. We will not be. <laughs> Look, and I know that they poke a lot of fun of basic white women going into the house. Yeah. I'm not I'm, her. I'm not her. <laughs> I'm not her. I know the signs when I I'm not, see them. I'm not going in the basement. No. I'm not. Like, nope. if my animal is freaking out, we are leaving. <laughs> Absolutely. Together. <laughs> Together. Yeah. Getting out of that danger zone. Yes. But um, those are our opinions, so take them with a grain of salt. And, of course, you guys have your own ideas and your own opinions and maybe your own cryptids that you're super excited about and would love to hear about. We want to know what those are because who's to say we can't have a future Nessie podcast? Who's to say there's not something else out there that you guys would love to know about that we could do a little research on? And if that's the case please let us know. You can send us an email at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. You can also let us know on Instagram or TikTok. Slide into those DMs at mediocrecontentpodcast. Or if you'd like to hang out with us live, you can do so every other Thursday on Twitch at the same handle at 3 p.m. PST, 6 p.m. EST, or 11 p.m. BST. And I know that we say all those times. I would like to be very clear. They're just the same time in different time zones. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I need to say that. But (laughs) 3 p.m. PST equals 6 p.m. EST and 11 p.m. PST. I feel like I need to be very clear that those are not three separate times. Um, also, please don't forget to rate us five stars. We greatly appreciate it. We do see them uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for anyone who's done so. And if you do enjoy listening, like I said, we'd really appreciate a little five star. And I guess we'll see you guys next week for something equally as fun and exciting. Yes, we will. See you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>